Well, we're turning now to uh, look at God's word together. And this morning, our focus is on serving. They say that churches are a bit like helicopters. Uh, You get too close and you'll get sucked into the rotors. And I wonder whether that expresses something of how you have um, or do feel about church. If you've never felt that way, then you're more godly than I am, which is entirely possible. Um, But I don't blame you if you have. Perhaps that is something that isn't in our minds when we come to think of a topic like serving in the life of the church. Perhaps it's been the case that you have in the past uh, served in the life of the church, um, but it's become a little overwhelming or it's not turned out to be quite what you had thought, and so once bitten, twice shy. Well, this morning, we're going to consider why we serve in the life of the church, and what it is that shifts that from being a burden to a joy. And so as we begin to do that, let me pray for us for the Lord's help. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that in this time, as we turn to look at what you have to say to us on this topic from your word, that you would help us to understand the goodness of service in the life of the church, the joy of it, and please would you shape our service in light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So speak to us in this time and change us, we pray. Amen. Well, there are four things that we are going to be looking at um, on this topic over the next few minutes. And the first is this point, that we are served by Jesus. And to see that together, we're going to go to this passage in Luke chapter 10 about two sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is what we read there. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Disciples of Jesus are first and foremost learners and followers of Jesus. That's what the word disciple really means. And so our calling as disciples of Jesus is firstly to sit at Jesus' feet like Mary, rather than scurry around in his service, like Martha. You see, in uh, that verse there, Jesus says, few things are needed. Jesus didn't come to earth in order to recruit a great army of volunteers to serve him in his mission. Perhaps you remember this First World War propaganda poster, your country needs you, as it sought to recruit people to join the armed forces. Or more recently, we've seen this uh, from The Sun, join our Jabs army. And there are some in the congregation who I know have answered the call and have become volunteer vaccinators. They're both great needs in our time. And is that how we think of God, that he's recruiting our services and that he needs us? You know, many people make demands on us, don't they? Whether it's um, bosses or colleagues or children or parents or spouses, um, even utility companies, submit that meter reading, pay that bill. 
Uh, doctors, take this. Uh, lie there. Do these things. Get a vaccine. Um, all of these uh, things. Governments, HMRC, fill in your tax return. Lots of people making demands on us. And I'm sure through this week, there will have been lots of pressures put on you by people making demands of you. God is not another one in line, banging his drum, trying to whip you up into activity. What does he say? Look at that verse again. Few things are needed, or indeed only one, to come to sit alongside Mary and to listen and learn from Jesus. Uh, remember in Mark 10:45, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said of himself, for the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember that famous scene in John 13, where Jesus is going around with a basin of water on his knees, washing the feet of his disciples. And he goes around the group until he gets to Peter, and he goes to wash Peter's feet. And Peter says, you, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. And we might kind of understand Peter's objection. It doesn't seem right. Someone as, as mighty as Jesus stooping to wash my feet? No, I won't allow it. And then Jesus famously says to him, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. And so Peter quickly allows Jesus to wash his feet. You see, Jesus doesn't just offer to service. He insists upon it. It is the only way that we can be one of his disciples. We must allow him to wash us, not physically, but spiritually, through the forgiveness of our sins, made possible by his death on the cross. We have to let Jesus serve us. Uh, there's this uh, quote I came across uh, this week from John Hindley. He says, the only way to get our service of Jesus right is to realize that supremely, we don't serve him. He serves us. If we think of ourselves in any sense as net contributors to God's kingdom, we have forgotten or perhaps never even understood the gospel. We have been given more than we could ever give in his service. And our service of God must never be an attempt to redress the balance. We never will, and we're not supposed to try. Disciples of Jesus are fundamentally those who have been served, not those who serve. And at the final count, we will always be the served, not servants. And so we are served by Jesus. Secondly, we serve as friends, not servants. Uh, this is what Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus calls us, in fact, he commands us to love each other in imitation and replication of the costly love that he has shown us by laying down his life for us. But what servant would obey so costly a command to lay down one's life 
That is too much to demand of a servant. A servant would walk away and find another master. And that is why Jesus says in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Only a friend would embrace so costly a mission, never a servant. You see, we serve Jesus not as servants with a list of tasks to perform, but as friends who have been captivated by and swept into a mission that is bigger than us, more wonderful than us, in which we long to see eternal fruit born. And so Jesus continues, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Jesus has told us his business, the business that he shares with his father of saving the world through the gospel and spreading light and life and forgiveness where there is currently darkness and sin and death. And we, like those first disciples, when they first heard his voice, have left our nets behind, our other occupations, and have followed him, the one who gives us life and gives us something worth living for that will bear eternal fruit beyond our time. You see, we serve Jesus as friends who are in on his business and his mission, not as servants merely with orders to follow. Thirdly, we serve because we love See, there are all sorts of reasons that we might serve in the life of the church. We might serve in order to be good enough for God. We want to earn our way into his favor, and so we serve busily. We might serve in order to get something from him. We think, if I serve enough, God will owe me one. Maybe then he'll answer my prayers, or he'll give me this thing that I'm seeking. We serve, perhaps, to pay him back. We feel that we owe him one already for what he's done for us. And we need to somehow show him that by the way that we serve. Perhaps we serve in order to impress others and to receive their praise. I remember one older Christian gently rebuking a young man who was sweeping up some rubbish in front of a crowd of others by putting an arm on his shoulder and said, thank you so much for serving in the limelight. (laughs) It's quite a rebuke. Perhaps we can serve for those reasons as well. And perhaps we serve to gain a sense of value and belonging, thinking that without our service, we wouldn't have that. And I know that in different ways, at different times, all of those things have and continue to lurk in my heart because I'm a sinner, as each of us is. But none of those are right motivations for Christian service. And actually, they amount, if you think about it, to serving God in order to serve ourselves. Now, how should we serve? We should serve in free and loving response to the gospel of Jesus. John Hindley, again, who I've been reading a bit recently, you can tell, uh, writes this. Where there is love for Christ, there will be obedience. But where there is obedience, there is not necessarily love. 
making that same point. We can serve for all sorts of reasons, but if we love him, we will respond to him in service. In um, uh, Romans, um, the, the whole letters of the Romans uh, splits into two. First, uh, chapters 1 to 11 are setting out in glorious terms the gospel and what God has done for us through Jesus. And chapter 11 ends with this great song of, of praise and worship of God for that. And then from chapter 12 and onwards, it, it kind of turns to look at how we should be responding as a church uh, to this gospel. And right there on that hinge, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans, uh, Paul writes this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We are to serve because we love Jesus. We are to serve in view of God's mercy. That is, we are to serve because we have so understood the gospel of what Jesus has done for us in saving us from our sins, of bringing us forgiveness and eternal life, that our hearts are changed, that worship bubbles up and overflows in all sorts of ways, one of which is in wanting to serve, wanting to honor him and grow his kingdom and bring him glory. We are to serve because we love Jesus. We're to serve in view of God's mercy to us. And Romans 12 continues to show us how we are to serve. And this is our fourth point. Uh, We serve with the gifts God has given us. Uh, Romans 12 and verse 3, Paul continues in this way. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul's there. Paul's point that we should serve humbly. In view of God's mercy, we should serve humbly. Think of the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2 says that though he was in very nature God, he didn't consider consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather took on the form of a servant and gave his life over to death even death on a cross. And if one so exalted could lower himself so low for me, well, there is no distance in humbling that I could travel that would equal that. It means that no job is beneath me as a follower of Jesus. Am I willing to clean the toilets, to do the jobs that no one else should want to do? Or do I think that things like that are beneath me? Paul urges us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but rather with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. When he says there, the the faith that is distributed to each of you, we shouldn't think of God kind of with a a ladle helping out, you know, portions of, of faith. Well, you've got a little bit, he's got a bit more, she's got loads, so she should act in proportion with that. No, rather the faith that God has distributed to each of us is exactly the same faith It's the faith in Jesus who stooped from up here to down here to serve us. Serve in accordance with that faith is what Paul is saying humbly. And the next couple of verses, uh, Paul continues. He says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, so and these members do not all have the same function, 
So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Do you hear that? We are part of one body. You are my sister or brother. I am your brother. We form one body. You belong to me. I belong to you. God has put us together. And so we serve with a view to the whole, not just ourselves. Thinking, how can I build up? How can I serve this body? What is her need today that I can serve? What is his need that I can serve? How can I think of all the rest of the body in the way that I might serve them? That is how we're to serve. And in these next couple of verses, uh, Paul writes this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We are each to use our unique gifts in the service of the body for the glory of God. We're not to look at others' gifts and go, I wish I had that gift, or I wish I had hers, but rather to look at the way that God has gifted and equipped us and to serve with those gifts. I've been so encouraged recently by a number of things um, in this church uh, family. Um, I've been asking a number of people recently to serve in various roles, and I've been strangely encouraged um, by people who have said no. You might think, why? This is a talk on serving. Why have you been encouraged by people saying no to an opportunity? I've been encouraged because of the gospel freedom to say no that that has reflected. A freedom that says, you know I, know, I know I'm not justified before God or others by my works, but by my faith in the Lord Jesus. And so if this isn't the right time or the right way, I feel a freedom, a liberty to say, actually, no, I don't think that's right at this time. That has encouraged me. I've also been encouraged by people saying, well, actually, you know, Chris, that's not really my strength. <laughs> but this is, can I serve in this way? And that's a great reflection of that principle of seeking to serve in line with the gifts that God has given us. I've also been encouraged by people who have said, you know, that doesn't immediately excite me. (laughs) But I can see that I'm gifted and equipped to serve in that way. And I want to serve my church and glorify God. So yes, I'll do that role. Isn't that a great servant-hearted attitude? And so I've been greatly encouraged by all of those. Those are all good responses to thinking about serving. And in different ways, we are all to think in these terms, how can I serve the church that God has made me a member of? And it may be that the housebound person at home serves by praying faithfully. That is a great service to the church. It may be that you're just a great encourager of people. As someone just yesterday put a card through our letterbox to encourage my wife. A lovely expression of using gifts of encouragement. And it is wonderful right through this church family to see it flourishing in this way as members each use their gifts to serve the body for the work of the whole and the glory of God. 
There are such a variety of services going on in the life of the church. You're watching a live stream right now. That's because there are people at the back each Sunday who are serving in that way. Um, it may be um, that, um, uh, you, you know, we've just had songs and, and hymns, the musicians serving us in that way. The reason that this building is tidy and clean is because people come in regularly and clean it. There are people serving in ways that often aren't seen, but require a lot of input, like safeguarding or finances or administration. There are those who are delivering flowers to those who are sick or who are grieving. There are those who are cooking meals, those who are tidying and gardening in the churchyard making plans to develop our buildings, leading in the children's and youth work ministries. Just before I came down here, Sunday Club was going on on Zoom. My kids were enjoying that, people serving in that way, those who are serving on PTC. All sorts of variety of gifts in this church family being used by people serving the whole. And it's worth pointing out as well that the gifts that God gives us to serve with are good And back in um, uh, that verse we were looking at a a moment ago, Paul wrote that some people have the gift of giving and says, if they have the gift of giving, let them give generously. You might think, well, who wants that gift of giving generously? Everyone keeps their hands down at that point. What about the gift of cleaning the toilets? Not me. Everyone looks around nervously at that point. How are those good gifts? Isn't that a bit like unwrapping a badly knitted jumper at Christmas. Like, oh, thanks very much, but not a very good gift. I wish I'd had a different one. No, God's good gifts are good for us. How? Because in Romans 8, we read that since before the foundation of the world, God's plan has been to conform us to the image of his son. That's a fancy way of saying to make us more like Jesus. And that is the best thing God could ever do for us, to make us more like Jesus. And that is happening as we serve humbly with the gifts that God has given us. It is for our good as we serve in that way, even in ways that aren't perhaps initially attractive. If he's using those gifts to make us more like Jesus, there's nothing more wonderful he could be doing for us. It is the greatest gift he could ever give us to make us more like Jesus. God has gifted us for our good as well as his glory. Uh, when I was a kid, I, um, I used to get 50p a week pocket money. I always spent it on the same thing as it happens, a Dr. Pepper, a Milky Way, and a 5p tuba. Um, although sometimes my sister took a 10% commission for walking me to the shop. So she got the 5p tuba. But uh, that's not actually terribly relevant to what I'm saying. Mum also gave me the opportunity to buy, um, to uh, earn a little bit more money by doing jobs around the house, to bump up my pocket money. Um, And uh, so she would would get me doing things like cleaning the toilet, mowing the lawn, hoovering around the house, maybe some dusting, uh, things like that. And every time it came to a, a new household task, she would have to come along and teach me, come on, Chris, this is how you clean a toilet and, uh, and all that kind of thing. And then I, I'd get on and do it and be given a, a, a very small hourly rate um, uh, to bump up my pocket money. And for a long time, I really thought I was helping mum. And, and in a sense, I was, I suppose, in time, I probably became more helpful. But really, her motivation was this. It was so that she could come alongside me and show me how to do those things. So that when I grew up and left home, I would be the sort of adult who knows how to clean a toilet. I could just about remember. Or mow the lawn, or hoover, or dust. You see, really, she was looking for a way to come alongside me and to, in one sense, make me more like her, 
more skilled, more equipped to live as an adult. And as God calls us into his service, are we serving him? Well, yeah, I suppose in a way we are. But really what he's doing is he's drawing us alongside himself. And as disciples of the Lord Jesus, he is teaching us how to be more like the Lord Jesus. He's conforming us to the image of his son, making us more like him. And so the extraordinary thing is that even in calling us to serve him, in fact, what's really going on is he is serving us. And isn't that exactly where we started? That we are fundamentally those who are served rather than those who serve. And so even in asking us to serve him, he is really serving us. And so we are served by Jesus. We serve as friends, not servants. We serve because we love in view of God's mercy. And we serve with the gifts that God has given us. That's what we've seen this morning. We are called to be a church body where every member plays their part humbly for the good of the whole and the glory of God and all in view of God's mercy as friends of Jesus who have been drawn into this wonderful plan of what he's doing in the world and are excited by it and want to throw our energies behind it because we love him and that we know ourselves to most fundamentally be those who are served by him. It is wonderful to see that spirit already shaping the life of our church. And as in the coming months, we emerge from lockdown and begin being able to do more things again, there will inevitably be more and more opportunities for each of us to serve. And it will be an exciting time to see us doing that together as a church family. And a church, if you just imagine it, a church where increasingly everyone is behaving in this way, with a gospel-shaped service, eager to serve others for the glory of God, joyfully, not reluctantly. That is a church that is firing on all cylinders, fulfilling our mission that we've been given by the Lord with joy and seeing his kingdom grow as we do that. Let me pray for us as we close. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in the Lord Jesus, we have that great demonstration of what it means to be a humble servant. And we pray that as disciples of Jesus, you would be making us more like him as we serve in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before uh, we carry on, I I want to um, recommend to you a book that I I quoted from twice uh, just a few uh, moments ago in that talk. It's called Serving Without Sinking by John Henley. And this, uh, I read it a few years ago, really transformed the way that I think about Christian service. It is a wonderful, wonderful book. Now, I've been sending a couple of books out recently, so rather than bombarding you with a library, um, I'm just flagging it up to you. And in the description underneath this YouTube video, you'll find a link where you can purchase that book um, if you would like to. Now, I can get a little bit of a discount if I uh, buy a whole bunch together. So if price is an issue to you, then just drop me an email and maybe I'll do a a bulk buy of a number um, if that would help. Um, And if you can't, can't see the link, then just go to uh, the Good Book Company, Google that, and type in Serving Without Sinking, and the book uh, will come up. That's a great one to read if you want to think and delve into these things a little bit more over the coming days.
Well, kings usually use their power and their authority to serve themselves um, and to feather their own nests. But Jesus, the one that we serve, came instead to serve us and laid down all of his power, his glory, in order to die for us on a cross. And we're going to remember and rejoice in that now through this song, The Servant King. Let's sing together.